0: Well, hello everyone. My name is Terry Swan. I'm the senior pastor here. We're so glad you've joined us this morning. You know, this is a sermon series that I have all I look forward to every year. We do this every year at the movies and find try to find some films that maybe some people know and some people maybe not know. This morning, I'm going to talk about Hidden Figures, and then next week we're celebrating. Actually, next weekend. 180 years of Salem. And just think about that. 180 years. And uh, Bishop Robert Farr is going to be with us to bring the word. And he's actually going to show, I think, don't don't hold me to this, but I think he's going to show a clip from the crudes. Anybody seen the crudes? And um, and so we're going to be talking about that, and then I'm going to be later on. I'm going to be talking about Ted Lasso. Anybody watch Ted Lasso? Uh huh. Some fans out there on Ted Lasso. Then Tim is going to be talking about Field of Dreams. Woo-hoo! <laughs> And Soul, the new cartoon out there. And so we're just trying to fic- pick some movies the, from um, maybe in the past and some that are familiar to people and some maybe some new movies. So I'm going to be talking today about Hidden Figures. In 2016, one of the films that grabbed most of moviegoers' attention was this movie, Hidden Figures. And the movie chronicled the incredible true story of three women, Katherine Johnson, Dorothy Vaughn and Mary Jackson. Now these brilliant African-American women worked at NASA in the early 60s who served as the as the hidden talent behind one of the greatest operations in history, and that was the launch of astronaut John Glenn into orbit. And who were we competing against, do you remember? Russia. We were competing against Russia. One of my favorite lines is the, in the movie is, he actually asked Katherine um, Johnson if she's a Russian spy. And she said, I'm not Russian. You know, and, and so it's just a, f- a great movie. And for these women to exceed, though, they not only had to excel at their job, but they had to rise up against the systems that fought against them. They had to rise up and rise beyond and so we have a disclaimer video. We can't show, because of copyright laws, we can't show our movie clip online. You can see it here in-house, but online they won't be able to see the actual clip. Um, we're going to show that disclaimer video, and then I want you to watch as Katherine Johnson fights for her place at the table. We're going to go right into that clip. Hi, my name is Tim Power. I'm one of the pastors here at Salem. We are so excited about our upcoming sermon series at the movies. Movies are amazing, aren't they? They tell us stories in a way we just can't get in any other experience. If you come in person, you'll see that we use some movie clips from popular movies, maybe even some movies you've already seen, as illustrations for the sermons. However, due to copyright laws, we're not able to broadcast these over the Internet series. Maybe get together with some friends, some family, and have a movie night. And you'll be ready for this sermon series along with us. God bless. We can't wait to see you at the movies. You're the boss. You just have to act like one. You know, she was the one that did the math. She's the one who did the math to get John Glenn into orbit. And she did it by going back and Figuring out the coordinates from old math. She was a brain like no other, so intelligent. And this stunning achievement by NASA and John Glenn would be forever, it's it's forever recorded in our history. But the untold story of the women focused upon by this movie inspired the world to remember that it was not only John Glenn's accomplishment. But the accomplishment and achievement of many people, both named in our history books and unnamed. What I loved about this movie was not so much the history lesson, but watching the stories of these phenomenal women unfold. They raise their children, they go to church, they play matchmaker, they dance in the kitchen while they cook together, they laugh, they cry. They challenge each other, and they support each other. They also speak out for injustice. They ask for change, not so much in fiery speeches, but in action, but in faithful practices of their work. They earn respect from their colleagues, and they foster progress all during a time that it was difficult to say the least to be a woman in the workplace, especially a black woman. And they accomplished it. And yet I'd never heard their name, let alone their stories, until 2016. The world is full of hidden figures, church. People who are willing to stand in the shadows outside the parameter of the limelight And oftentimes, it is these people who are the reason for the success, the people behind the scenes. These hidden figures make all the difference in the world. These are the people that most times change the very course of the direction of society. The Bible is full of stories about such people who took considerable risks to pave the way for the betterment of another both men and women, young and old, people of every nation and tribe. When we read the scriptures and our story as disciples of Jesus Christ, we come across many a Mary, Dorothy, and Catherine. Figures hidden behind the bigger stories of the Bible. To name just a couple, there was Jehosheba, Bet you didn't know that one. Jehosheba Now, a name most of us can't figure out even how to pronounce, let alone remember. She saved the royal bloodline from destruction. You can read her story in 2 Kings, but without her, we wouldn't have David's family line through which the Messiah would come 800 plus years later. And even though she lived through two Generations of evil women, one of which was Jezebel, she chose to worship God wholeheartedly and stand firm. Look up her story. And then there was Phoebe. We only have two verses in the Bible about Phoebe. Paul says, I'm introducing our sister Phoebe to you, who is a servant of the church in Chancheria, Welcome her in the Lord in a way that is worthy of God's people and give her whatever she needs from you because she herself has been a sponsor of many people, myself included. That's all we're told about Phoebe. A little research, she is a single woman of independent means that was a rare thing in biblical times. A church leader, a trustworthy courier to faraway places and an interpreter of Paul's letter to the Roman Christians. She was an important person in the life of our faith. She is a hidden figure along with many in the Bible. In fact, if you read further in Romans 16, you see the longest list of greetings in any of Paul's letter and includes and mentions many, many more hidden figures of our faith as Paul recognizes them for their ministries and roles for the sake of the gospel. No spotlight... No recognition outside of the mention in the biblical narrative, and many times unnamed. Like the woman at the well, or the young boy that provides a few fish and loaves on that hillside where Jesus multiplies them. Every person counts. Every person counts. We may not know their names, but we know much about their gift and their witness, and it mattered. We matter. So it is with all of us as the body of Christ, we're all together. We each have certain gifts, and it is the power of one person that can touch the life of another. For the last few weeks, I've had the privilege and gift of baptizing children. Baptized a child in here just couple weeks ago and as i lay my hand upon their head baptizing them in the name of the father son and holy spirit i wonder of the future i wonder how god will use them for the sake of the gospel i wonder what gifts god has bestowed upon them and how they will use those gifts as a disciple of jesus christ I wonder of the power that this child will hold. And Pastor Deb talked a little bit about our week this week. I carry the marks of all the fun things we've done with children this week. I've got tie-dye still under my fingernails, Cammie, from Freedom School, from tie-dyeing t-shirts with the kids. I'm wearing my cherry tattoo this morning from Vacation Bible Fest yesterday where we had children everywhere playing with bubbles and learning about the fruits of the Spirit and God's love. And I wonder, as they're here in these walls and outside and as we're a witness to these children, what they will remember of church, what they will remember of the people who taught them of God's love and God's grace and how they will carry that into their own lives and their own journey. Baptism is the beginning of that journey. And when the parents present the child for baptism, they answer certain questions on behalf of the child. And these children then answer these questions for themselves at an older age, at a time of confirmation. And so I I remind us of these questions. I think we ought to answer them again for ourselves as a way to remember our own baptismal vows. So here's the first one. Do you renounce the spiritual forces of wickedness, reject the evil powers of this world, and repent of your sin? If so, say, I do. Think about that. The spiritual forces of wickedness. The evil powers of this world. You are making a vow that you're going to renounce those. Every ism that's out there, you're going to renounce. You're going to stand firm and say, God is a God of love, and I will not stand for this in the world around me. Do you accept the freedom and power God gives you to resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves, if so, I do. Let's hear you, church. If so, I do. That's a hard one, isn't it? Do you accept the freedom, that free will, that freedom that God gives you to resist these things in the world around us? Do you confess Jesus Christ as your Savior, put your whole trust in His grace, and promise to serve Him as your Lord in union with the church which Christ has opened to people of all ages, nations, and races? If so, I do. Let those vows sink in for a moment. We hear these so often as we're doing baptism that I sometimes think they become routine. We we hear them and we're going through the vows again. But if we think about this and we take them to heart and we live them out as we have vowed to do, we can change the world one person at a time. In those vows, we are living out the light of Christ. Think for a moment of a hidden figure in your own life. Someone who's been the light in the darkness for you. Who has shown you how to reject the evil powers of this world? Was it your family, a friend, a teacher? I think back to all of the mentor pastors that have been in my own life, ones that helped me see my call as a woman in a time where women weren't as apt to move into ministry. I think of the times in which I was encouraged, the times in which I was lifted up, the times in which they said, That is not of Christ that the bad person rejected you because you're a woman, that is not of Christ. The People who stood firm in their baptismal vows. Who has been a witness for you in resisting evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves? Because we know that they do not present themselves just in one way. They present themselves in many ways. Who showed you what it means to live and trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Who are the hidden figures in your life? Today I'm going to read from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to the church in Rome. And I'm going to begin in chapter 12. But prior to chapter 12, he's been highly theological. We got to hear all about justification by faith. We got to hear um, things about sin and divine grace. And, and sometimes you have to reread Romans, that first part, over and over again to really understand the meaning. But chapter 12 is when he gets it real. Chapter 12 is when he begins to talk about what it means to live out this faith. Practical theology. And as I studied Romans 12 this week... I, As I have many times, I love to read it in different translations. I could not help but read it through the lens of baptism this time. So we just heard those vows. We just renewed our commitment to those vows. Now hear this from chapter 12, Romans. Paul's writing this. So brothers and sisters, because of God's mercies, I encourage you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy and pleasing to God. This is your appropriate priestly service. Don't be conformed to the patterns of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you can figure out what God's will is, what is good and pleasing and mature. Because of the grace that God gave me, Paul's saying, I can say to each one of you, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought to think. Instead, be reasonable since God has measured out a portion of faith to each one of you. We have many parts in one body, but the parts don't all have the same function. In the same way, though there are many of us, we are one body in Christ, and individually we belong to each other. Love should be shown without pretending. Hate evil and hold on to what is good. Love each other like the members of your family. Be the best at showing honor to each other. Don't hesitate to be enthusiastic. Be on fire in the spirit as you serve the Lord. Be happy in your hope. Stand your ground when you're in trouble and devote yourself to prayer. Now, when I read that, I couldn't help but see the figures and hidden figures in this this movie. Stand your ground when you're in trouble And devote yourselves to prayer because that's exactly what they did. Contribute to the needs of God's people and welcome strangers into your home. Bless people who harass you. Bless and don't curse them. Be happy with those who are happy and cry with those who are crying. Consider everyone as equal and don't think that you're better than anyone else. And then this last Verse: Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. Don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. I love to read this in the message translation. Part of it says, don't be the great somebody. Practice playing second fiddle. Paul says, we are to be a living sacrifice. What does that even mean? A living sacrifice. So the expression is kind of strange, and then it's an oxymoron. A figure of speech where you find two words together that are mutually contradictive. Like when you say, that was seriously funny. Or when you say, the room was filled with deafening silence. In my opinion, a short sermon is an oxymoron. Some of you may agree with me in that. Normally, if you sacrifice something, it's dead, right? At least it was in the Old Testament. If it's not dead, you haven't sacrificed it. To understand what Paul is saying here, substitute the words this way, sacrificial living. He's saying sacrificial living. That is, give your bodies to God in sacrificial living. You see, when you sacrifice something, you give up all possession and ownership to it. It's final. There's no partial sacrificial giving in the Old Testament. Whenever you came to make a sacrifice in the Old Testament, it was all in. It's like that old joke or story that you probably have heard a million times about the chicken who came to the pig and said, why don't we start a restaurant? The pig said, well, what will we serve? And the chicken said, why don't we serve ham and eggs? And the pig said, that's easy for you to say. You're making a token commitment. I'm making a total sacrifice. It is sacrificial living saying that you are all in. To stand up against the evils in this world and not be conformed by them. To resist evil, injustice, and oppression in whatever forms they present themselves. And as Paul says, don't be defeated by evil, but defeat evil with good. I'm going to invite the band to come on back up. Paul says... Be the good in this world. Be the good in this world. There's power in your actions. There's power in your words. There's power in your thought. We're to renew our minds, to strengthen our bodies, to live sacrificially. Because there's power in one person in the name of Jesus Christ. And when we gather together in the name of Jesus Christ, we can change the world. That's how evil is defeated. When we stand together and say, This is not of God, there's power in being the community of faith.